KMTT. This is Ezra Beck in Gush Etzion, a very, very cold Gush Etzion. And today is Monday, Ted Zayin Tevet. Today's year, as every Monday, will be given by Harav Yair Khan on Hilchot Barachot, based on the Gemara in the sixth parak of Barachot, Perak Ketzad Mevachim. Before I pass over the microphone to Rav Khan, we have made efforts significant efforts, I believe, to improve the quality of the sound. Uh, it will be a little bit inconsistent this week. We have to actually go out and buy better equipment. But we are using now borrowed better equipment. And I think you should be able to hear the difference already in today's, uh, in today's broadcast. Again, I want to ask anyone who has any comments, any suggestions. We need the feedback. This is still a trial basis. This is a better stage program. Anyone who can help us out in any way by commenting whether it's good, whether it's bad, how he's able to manipulate the files, put them on his MP3 player, get them to his car, please write to us at kmtt at kimitzion.org or kmtt at etzion.org.il. After the share by Harafkan, I will be back for today's Halakha Yomit. And now, Harav Yairakan, Ilchot Brachot. The previous shiurim were introductory in nature, insofar as the discussion revolved around Birchos Hanenin in general. Today we're going to start talking about a specific bracha. The Mishnah at the beginning of Ketan Varkim, Daf Lamed Heim Ra'alev 35a, says as follows, Ketan Varkim ala perot, how do we make a bracha on perot? Al perot ha'ilan, fruit of the trees, who omer bari pra'etz, you make the bracha bari pra'etz. Chutz minayayin, there's one exception, the bracha that you make on wine, sha'alayayin omer bari pra'gafen. On wine, one makes a bari pra'gafen, has a special bracha. Valperot ha'aretz, on fruit of the ground or vegetables, who omer bari pra'adama, we make the bracha bari pra'adama. Chutz minapat, aside from the bracha that we make on bread, sha'alapat ho'omer ha'motzi lechem min ha'aretz. For on bread we make a special bracha, Motzi lechem min haaretz. What I would like to discuss is the special bracha that one makes on bread, hamotzi lechem min haaretz. Uh, let us begin by taking a look at a Gemara on Daf Lamed Tetem Ralef, 39a, which has a very, very strange din regarding the bracha of hamotzi lechem min haaretz. The Gemara says as follows. Amar avchia barashi patz numa if one takes dried out bread, dried out pieces of bread, and puts it in, in, a, in a pot, one nevertheless should make the bracha hamotzi lechem na'aretz. Upligid rabchia. Rabchia barashi argues on rabchia. Da'am rabchia tzarek shetichle bracha im apat. According to rabchia, one cannot make a motzi lechem na'aretz on pieces of bread. One has to make a bracha on the entire bread because tzarech shetichle bracha minapat. What does tzarech shetichle bracha minapat mean? It means that as one makes the bracha, he begins cutting the whole loaf of bread and at the point of the completion of the bracha is the point in which he separates the bread as well. Therefore, according to Rav if the bread was already cut or broken, one can no longer make Motzi lechem min haaretz. Ma'kifla rava. Ma'ishnat snuma delo. 
Mishum dechikaya bracha aprusach akalya. Why should one not make a motzim lechem in our aretz according to Rabchia on a tznuah, which is a dried piece of bread? Because when you make the bracha, you make it on only a piece and not on the entire loaf. Alapatnami, if you would take an entire loaf, a coin and you cut it while you're making the bracha, kikagamra, when you complete the bracha, aprusagamra, you completed the bracha on a prus, on, on a piece. Ela amarava mevarech ba'achar kach First you make the bracha, and only later do you cut it. But first you should make a bracha on a complete loaf of bread, and only subsequently should you cut the, the bread. Okay, this is, the aura is a very, very strange thing. Regarding other items which we eat, we don't find a similar discussion that one has to first begin to cut while one makes the bracha and complete cutting while one completes the bracha, or that one cannot make a bracha on only a piece and it has to be a complete loaf. We don't find these dinim regarding other brachas. This is a din that we find specifically regarding the birchos the, the, uh, the why should Birch Samotzi be different than all other brachot? Apparently, this indicates that Birch Samotzi has some unique quality or unique aspect, and therefore it has special dinim as well. Another indication of the singularity of Birch Samotzi is found in the Rashba on Daflam Dainan, base 37b, where he quotes a very, very strange sheet of the Raivid. Kasar Raivid Zal, the Einu Varchan Amotzi, Ela Ba'ochel Kazayit. In other words, regarding all other types of foods, the shear is needed only for the bracha achrona. We have to have a kazais in order to have a bracha achrona of barin fashos, according to most rishonim, or, or, or an alamichia, or an alagepin. You have to have a revius or a kazais. But regarding a bracha rishona, we say, asel adam. You're not allowed to get it any without making a bracha. And therefore, regarding the bracha rishona, the amount is, is, is irrelevant. If you're going to eat a kazais or less than a kazais of an apple, you would make the same bari prayer eats. If you ate a kazais, you would also follow the eating with a bari nefashos. But the shear is not relevant regarding the bracha rishona. According to the Raivid, there's one exception. That exception is a motzi. Even though you're making a bracha rishona on bread, if you make on less than a kazais of bread, then you only make a bar named zonos. In order to be chayav a bracha of hamotzi lechem na'aretz, you have to eat a full kazais of bread, and without that full kazais, it doesn't warrant a bracha of hamotzi lechem na'aretz. The question is, why should this be so? And again, what we see is that there is something unique about the bracha of hamotzi lechem na'aretz. Let's consider another sugya. The Gemara and Daf Mem Aleph from the Days, 41b, says as follows: Amar al Papa, our Papa said, Hilchata, it's a halacha. Devarim habayim machmat hasuuda betoch hasuuda ain teunim bracha lo lefnei velo laachreim. Things, items of food that one eats that come during the meal, because of the meal do not require a separate bracha, not beforehand and not afterwards. V'shalom achmat ha-suda b'toch ha-suda t'unim bracha l'fnem v'ein t'unim bracha l'achareim. 
if they don't come because of the suuda, but they do come during the suuda, then they need a bracha lefaneha. One has to make a bracha sanenim before eating. The eintun bracha acharein, but it doesn't require a separate bracha afterwards. The birchas hamazon will cover everything that was eaten within the context of the suuda. La'achar hasuda, but if one eats it following the suda, and that's the issue of desserts, after one cleans away the table, and it's a big machokis among the postkim and among the Rishon of exactly what la'achar hasuda means, to unim bracha bein lefneim bein la'achareim, requires a bracha beforehand as well as a bracha afterwards. Since we're discussing birchas hamotzi, let's discuss the first case. Under what conditions does the birchas hamotzi Potter, other items that one eats within the context of the meal. Regarding this, we have a big machlokas among the Rishonim. Rashi basically takes the approach that anything which comes, the Tochasuda, Machmasasuda, are things which are tata, which are secondary to the bread. For instance, any type of the spread that one will put on the bread, or something that one, something that one dips the bread into, things that are come, the Lafet etapat. Those are things which are tussled to the bread, and therefore the birchos hamotzi will potter them. And according to Rashi, this is part of the general halacha, that when everyone has an ikar and a tafel, one makes a bracha on an ikar and does not make a bracha on a tafel. If one has, <coughs> for instance, the Mishandaf men dal amraus, hevi lefan of maliach chila upat imo, levarach ala maliach upater tapat. If some has, let's say, a uh, a, a pickle or something which is very, very sharp or very, uh, very spicy or very salty, uh, like, a, like a piece of herring. And one wants to eat the herring, but because it's so salty, one also eats bread, then one only makes a bracha on the herring and one does not have to make a bracha on the bread. Zeha cloud, the Mishnah continues, Koshu ikar v'imot fila, Any time one has two items of food, one which is primary, and another one which is secondary, one only makes a bracha on the primary food and does not have to make a bracha on the secondary item of food. So if the primary food is the herring and the bread or the cracker is simply secondary, one makes a bracha only on the primary food, which is the herring. According to, to Rashi, that's exactly what's going on in the Gemara of Devan Habayin, Bitoch Hasuda Machmas Hasuda. In other words, it's things that come that are secondary to the bread. The bread, bread is the main part of the su'uda, and things which are secondary, which are tuffled to the bread, do not require an independent bracha. Rashi says, Dvar ma'bayim bitoch ha'suda machmat ha'suda l'afeit They come to simply to, to eat together with the pot. Einim tu'nim bracha da'havu They are secondary, and therefore they don't need a bracha. While things that come suda, Rashi says, they are not tafel to the bread, they're not included in the, in the lechem in order to be put there to the bracha of Birchas Hamatsi. And therefore, one has to have a separate bracha. According to Rashi, if one would make a Birchas Hamotzi and then bring fish or bring meat or bring spaghetti, one would have to make an independent bracha because these are not things that are tafel to the pot. They're not things that one eats alongside together with the pot. One takes you know, a bite of bread and afterwards one will eat the meat. The meat does not become tafel to the pot in the same way. 
And therefore, the explanation of Rashi, according to the explanation of Rashi, one would have to make an independent bracha when one eats meat or chicken or, or, or soup along with a meal. The Ridva explains the sugi in a different way. And uh, this is what he says, Amalahem, Hoil upat patratan pirush, lav midin tefela, the lom mikri tefela klal, elak shenechalimo. It's not because of the din of ikar v'tafel, because tafel is only when it is eaten together simultaneously. Kigon dvan habaim lelafet etapat. Aval kolhecha the lav lelafet lom mikri tefela. Since it's not coming and eaten together, it's not considered tefela. Ela hachi kaamar, hoil upat patratan. Mishum de patu ikar seuda, upat chashuv, vehu kedalif tarat kulat. He says, pat, making a brach on pat, pat is all other things that you eat, because pat, lechem, is the main part of the seuda. And therefore, it has a certain amount of significance and importance, which enables it to patter all other brachot. When those things come, machmata seuda. Since the pot is the ikar suda, therefore the bracha on the pot includes anything which is part of that suda. And therefore anything which is a davar haba machmas suda is included in the bracha of pot. It's possible to claim that the Ritva is suggesting a totally new way of understanding the bracha on pat. A bracha on pat is not a bracha rishona on lechem, but rather it's a bracha rishona on a seuda, on a meal. You are making a bracha on a meal. And therefore everything which is included within that meal is covered by that bracha rishona. Therefore, Devarim Habayim Machmasa Suda Betocha Suda are included in the Motsudachim Haaretz because the Birchas HaMotsudachim Haaretz was not only a bracha on bread, it was a bracha on the meal. And anything, which, it was a bracha on the meal. And anything which is a part of that meal, therefore, is included in the bracha HaMotsudachim Min Haaretz. Let's test our theory on the Sugya of Pasarabakistan. The Gemara on Men Beizim and Aleph, 42a, discusses the issue of Pasal Bakistin. Pasal Bakistin, we'll, we'll see what the exact definition is later. There's a big machokas among the Rishonim. But in any case, the Gemara says, Pasal Bakistin, Vivarchin Alea Hamotzi. That's what Avmuna says. Vamar Shmuel, Halacha Krabimuna. Amar Lehu, Ein Halacha Krabimuna. There's the question whether you say a motzei lechem in aretz on Passover kisnin, or whether you make a, a, a boring name zanos. Amar lehu, amar lehu, mi amar mishmei hamotzi, and apparently lechmanios are an example of Passover kisnin. So it says shani hasam dekava suda sayu alayu. There it's different because he was kovea suda on the Passover kisnin. In other words, Passover kisnin, according to halacha is something which is not exactly bread. It's either um, the, the mizonos rolls that they make are because the, the lisha, the, the um, kneading of the dough was done not with water, but with, uh, with juices. And that's one example of possible kisnin. According to another shita, possible kisnin is if you took dough, but you, 
you made pockets and you put fruit or, or vegetables. For instance, many claim that, that pizza would have a din of pasta of kisnin. According to the Gemara, pasta of kisnin, you make a boy named Nizono, so pasta of kisnin. However, if you are kovea seuda on pasta of kisnin, then you would make a motzei lechem in ha'aretz. There's Gemara, a parallel Gemara on that Lamed Zayin base, which discusses another case of something which is similar to Paso Bekisnin, Truknin or Kuba Da'ara, the Gemara on that Lamed Ches, 38a, says, what bracha do you make on Kuba Da'ara? Amalei misavet nemahu, do you think that it's bread? Gugla biyamahu, and therefore you should make a burning in Zonos. Mazuta kava suda se iluya, Mazuta was kavea suda on this Gugla Ba'ama, on this Kuba Da'ara, and therefore, since he was Kaveya Suda, therefore he made a Motsi and he made and he made a Bechas Amozin afterwards. So in other words, this has the same halacha as Pasala Bekisnin. In other words, if you're Kaveya Suda on it, then you make a Motsi and a Bechas Amazon. However, if you were not Kaveya Suda on it, then then you would however if you were not Kaveya Suda on it, then you would make a burial name Mizonos. The Rambam paskins this Gemara in Hilchos Brachos Paragimel Halachates. And he says as follows Isa, dough, shen efeit bekarka, that was baked in the ground, kemoshahar vim shochnea midbarot ofim. Hawil the ein alea tsura tapat, since it doesn't have the form of bread, mivarech alei betchila boim nim zorot. The im kava mizono alea, but if you are kavea suda on it, if you needed the the uh, the dough together with honey or with oil or with milk, or you added all kinds of spices and then baked it, even though it basically is defined as bread, you make the bracha zanot. However, if you cover suuda on it, then you make a birchas hamotzi. In other words, according to the Rambam, the pasul kisin is basically categorized as lechem, as bread. However, it's bread that lacks because of the way it's formed, like the form of lechem. It has, uh, it's not the lechem which one is normally kovea suuda on, and therefore it loses its bracha of hamotzi lechem min haaretz. Uh, this idea also comes up in the Rambam in Hilchos Chametu Matza. There the Rambam paskins Matza shalasha b'mei peros yotza ba yidecho pesach. If you would take matza and you would knead it, knead the dough with juices, then you yotza yidecho vasav pesach. In other words, according to the Rambam, it has a din of bread. In order to be yotze, yidei chowas matza on pesach, you need lechem only. And therefore it has to have the basic status of bread. If it has the status of bread, and it has not reached chimutz, then you can use it for, for, for matzah. However, if it doesn't have the status of bread, then it can't be lechem only. What status does dough that was kneaded with juices and then baked have? Does it have the status of bread or does it not have the status of bread? In both places, the Rambam, both in Hilchos Brachos and in Hilchos Chavis of Matzah, the Rambam says clearly that it has the status of bread. It's considered pas, it's considered bread. 
However, because of its form, because of uh, other things that were added, it doesn't get the bracha of Hamotzi Lechem in Aretz unless you are Koveya Aleha Seuda. In other words, according to the Rambam, if you have something which is considered bread Bechefza, as an object is defined as bread, nevertheless, you would not make a bracha of Hamotzi Lechem in Aretz unless it's something which non, if, if, unless it's bread which one is normally Koveya Seuda upon. But, for instance, pizza which people eat and that's not considered a kviya suda, whether it is or isn't, I'm not going to discuss right now how much, it might depend on how much you eat, but if something that you just take a, say, uh, you just take a, take a bite out of a knish or something that one is not normally kovea suda on, then the bracha is boremi exodus, even though you're eating bread. In other words, eating bread is not enough. The bracha of hamotzi is not a bracha that one makes on bread. It's one what one makes on bread when he is kovea suuda on the bread. The Ra'ah, Rab Aaron Halevi, goes even further. In his chidushim on Maseches Brachos, on Daf Amrichas, he says as follows regarding Passover Kislim. Umistavrad lo dami, the hafsam lav pas, the ishtani bekisnav. In other words, the Ra'ah says that the Gemara in Daflam and Zayin is not referring to Passover Kisim because that, the Gemara there is talking about real bona fide Pas. However, the Gemara on Daflam and Beis, which discusses Passover Kisim, Passover Kisim basically, according to, according to the Ra'ah, is not Pas, it's not bread. But nevertheless, if you're Kovea Su'uda on it, you would make. According to Ra'ah, it's clear that the bracha of Hamoti is not a bracha Rishona that one makes on bread as a chetza, but rather it's a bracha Rishona that one makes on, 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 on a su'uda. And therefore, according to the Ra'ah, you can make a Motsi Lechem in Aretz on a su'uda even if, you're not, if, you, if you don't have bread. Passover Kesin is not bread, but nevertheless, since if you're Kovea Seuda, when eating Passover Kisnin, you would make a Motsi Lechem in What are you making the bracha on? You're making the bracha on the Seuda, not on the bread. You don't have any bread. Similar to the Rambam. In the Rambam, we saw that even if you're eating bread, Passover Kisnin, according to the Rambam, is bread. But even if you're eating bread, it doesn't warrant the bracha of Hamotsi Lechem Only if you're eating bread upon which you're Kovea Seuda, then and only then would you make a bracha of Hamotzi Lechem in Aretz. So we saw two opposite sides of, of this question in the Ra'ah or according to the Rambam. According to the Rambam, you have a case where you eat bread and you don't make a motzi because there was no Kriya Suda. According to the Ra'ah, you have a case where you didn't eat bread, but nevertheless you make a motzi Lechem in Aretz because it was a Kriya Suda. But either according to the Rambam or according to the Ra'ah, we see that the Birch HaSamotzi does not coincide so clearly with bread. Rather, the Birch HaSamotzi is a bracha that one makes on a Seuda and not necessarily a bracha that one makes on bread. At this point, we can go back to the Ravid. What did the Ravid say? The Ravid said that if, in order to make a Birch HaSamotzi Lechem in Aretz, you have to have a Kazais of bread. And this we don't find regarding any other Birch but according to what we said, it makes perfect sense. If you didn't have a kazais of bread, then there's no, it's not a su'ud at all. It's not a brach rishon that one makes on bread as a chefza. Even less than a kazais of bread is a chefza of bread. 
However, the bracha of Hamotzi Lechem in Aretz is what, what makes on bread which lends itself to a Seuda. And that is only a quantum if one would eat a full kazayis. If one does not have a full kazayis, then that's not a su'uda at all. And therefore, wouldn't warrant the bracha of a motzi lechem and aretz, which is a bracha rishona on su'uda. Before going back to the sugya of b'tzias hapas, let's take another look at the sugya and the mem alfin days that discusses dvarim habayim betocha su'uda machmas su'uda. Over there we find a shita of rabchia, which goes further than Rav Papa. The Amr Poters Poter Mashkin. We're going to leave the issue of, of wine aside for now. But what does Rabchia say? Pas Poters In other words, according to Rabchia, apparently the brach on pas, the brach of Hamotzelech would, would cover everything eaten within the context of the Suda, whether it's Machmasa Suda or not Machmasa Suda. The brach of Hamotzelech Mitzvah passes everything. This is an extreme expression of the idea that we've been developing that the bracha of Hamotzi is not a bracha on bread, but rather it's a bracha on the suda. And therefore, a contra it includes everything that's eaten within the context of the suda, whether it normally serves the suda, doesn't normally serve the suda, whether it's suda or not machmas suda, it's irrelevant. The bracha on the bread includes everything. And Obviously, we're not dealing with the issue of Ikr V'tafel, but rather we're dealing with the concept of a bracha, which is all-inclusive, which, which, which covers everything, which is part of the Suda. Okay, now let's go back to the Shita of Rabchia regarding B'tziah Safas. We saw that Rabchia said that one has to make the bracha while cutting the bed. Shetichle bracha min The bracha should be completed when cutting of the pas is completed. And what is he making a bracha? Is he making a bracha on the bread, or is he making a bracha on the bitsiya of the bread, on the cutting of the bread? If it were a normal birchos hanenin, then there would be no doubt that one makes the birchos hanenin on what one plans on eating. But if we're talking about a bracha rishona on a seuda, what is bitsiya tapas if not beginning of the meal, breaking bread? Breaking bread is the beginning of the meal. You're making the bracha of hamotzi not on the bread. You're making the bracha of hamotzi on the meal. And the meal is initialized by breaking bread, which is the p'tia. In order to illustrate this, Rabchia said, make the bracha while breaking the bread. While cutting the bread, that's when you should make the bracha. It's not a question of hefzik, but rather it's a question of what the bracha is focusing upon. According to Rabchia, the, focus, the bracha is a bracha on the b'tia sapas not on the pas per se, not on the bread per se, but rather on the breaking of the bread. And therefore, he has this strange, uh, he has this strange ceremony of making the bracha simultaneous to the cutting of the bread and having the final slice when the bread is completely cut uh, come at exactly the same time as the completion of the bracha. Rava argues on Rabchia because he says you should make a bracha on a whole piece of bread. But he also looks at the b'tziah as being something unique. And therefore he says you should make the bracha before the b'tziah tapas. Why make the bracha before the b'tziah tapas? Cut the bread and make the bracha on a piece of bread. Why should you make a bracha on a whole loaf of bread? It's possible to claim that a whole loaf is more chashuv 
than a piece of bread, and therefore it might be preferable to make the bracha on the whole loaf. But it's very, very possible that even according to Rava, you should first make the bracha and afterwards cut the bread, because the bracha is going on not only on the pas, not only on the bread, but on the betziyata pas. And a riot to this idea, a proof, is the fact that the Rambam brings this halacha down in Hilchas Brachos Perak Zayim. In Perak Zayim, it's not where it discusses the, the different brachos that you make and when you make them, but rather it's a bracha which discusses things which are nohog during the Seuda. Perak Zayim in the Rambam, Hilchas Brachos, begins as follows. Min hagos rabos, nagu chachme yisrael b'seuda, v'kulan derecheretz. There are many minhagim that Chachmi Yisrael were, were money to do during the Suda, and we shouldn't derech Eretz, the Eluheim. Kishenechnas in the Suda, Hagalosh Bukulam, Nota, Siadab Tchila. There's a lot of things which are based on, on etiquette. Okay, now let's get to Halacha Beis. Baal Habayis, Vavarech Hamotzi, Umashlum Habracha, first he completes the Bracha, Vachar Kach Botseya, and only later on does he cut from the bed. So according to the Rambam, the din of, of Rava, which is in the Gemara here of Betiyas HaPas, is brought down in Perek Zayin, which discusses Minhagim of Su'uda. In other words, why does Rava insist that you have to complete the bracha and afterwards do the Betiyas HaPas? Apparently, the Rambam understood that this halacha is halacha in Su'uda, because the bracha is a bracha on the Su'uda, and therefore he insists that the bracha should be completed before doing the betiyat hapas. In other words, in order to summarize the shir, what we saw is that it's very, very possible that the unique bracha of Hamotzelechem in which is kind of on the top of the pyramid of brachos, brachos are a hierarchy. You start with shakol nebidvaro, which is the most basic bracha. If you have fruit, if it's a vegetable, you make a bari priyadama. If it's a priyayat, you make a bari priyayat. And then you get to bari mezonos, which is on some kind of form of mazon, you take the wheat, which is, if you eat it as a fruit, as a vegetable, you would make a very piyadama. If you, if you make it into some kind of mazon, you would make a bar mazonos. And if you make bread out of it, then you make a mozilach in That's, you know, the top of the pyramid on this, you know, the entire system of brachos. The why, why is brachos hamozit such an exclusive bracha? Either because lechem is something chefsa which are kovea but nevertheless the bracha is a bracha which one makes on lechem on bread, or perhaps what we suggested is that the bracha of hamotzi lechem and is not a bracha on lechem per se, but rather it's the bracha which chazal or metakein for a suuda. It's a bracha that one makes on a suuda. And it's very, very possible that both halachas are true, and there are times that you make a bracha on bread not within the context of a suda, and there are times that you make bracha and it covers the entire suda, but all that's beyond the context of this, of, of this particular shir. You have been listening to a Rav Yayokan in the shir on Hilchot Barachot, based on the Sechot Barachot. Afghan seems to have gotten cut off in the last second. Nothing important, I hope, is missing. In any event, we'll check with him and make sure. And now for today's Halakha Yomit. The last Halakha Yomit, I mentioned a Halakha of Tzitzit, the connection between Tzitzit and Tfilah. Therefore, I'd like to continue today in relationship to Mitzvah Tzitzit. 
Although I mentioned last week that tzitzit is not a mitzvah chiyuvit, one does not have to wear tzitzit if one is not wearing a four-cornered garment. Nonetheless, poskim bring down the Shulchan Aruch, I mentioned the sources last week, that one should make an effort to wear tzitzit, and that's why today, even though there are no four natural four-cornered garments which we normally wear, but we artificially produce it. What is called today a talit. There's two kinds of talitot, talit katan, a garment that's worn all day underneath one's other clothing in order to be able to fulfill the idea mentioned in the Medrash which I quoted last week David HaMelech said look how I'm surrounded by mitzvot two tzitzit in front of me, two tzitzit behind me a Jew should be surrounded by mitzvot even when he's not paying attention to it and that's why there was this artificial invention called the Talit Katan during davening one wears a Talit Kadon what is the size, the minimum size, of a garment, of a beged? The pasuk, one of the pasukim, which obligates one to wear tzitzit, speaks of asher techaseba, which you cover yourself with. A garment is something with, with which one is covered. And therefore, the minimum amount, the minimum shi'u, for a garment that is obligated in tzitzit, is a article of clothing which a child would be covered with when he went outside. It's enough that the garment would cover a child who is going outside. What does that mean exactly? So to cover means that this is the, the, the basic garment he's wearing. It's not a, a, he's wearing a tie, or even a shirt. It's, today we'd call it a cloak, a talit. It's the garment which, if this was what he was wearing... He would be considered to be covered in a manner which would be appropriate for him to walk in the street. Halacha lemaisa. There are two opinions as to what that means. One, the largest shiur is ama al ama, a ama, a cubit, by a cubit, a square cubit. The second opinion, more minimalist opinion, says that it's enough to have three quarters of an ama by one half an ama. Now, there's another controversy as to what the word what the amount of length an amma refers to in terms of our modern methods of measuring. These two opinions go by the names of their most prominent proponents, called Shi'u Chazonish and Shi'u HaGrachna'ai. The Shi'u of the Chazonish is that an amma is the equivalent of about 57 centimeters, which in American measure would be about 22 and a half inches. The opinion of the Grachna is that a Amma is 48 centimeters, which is slightly less than 19 inches. Therefore, if we look for the combination of the most maximum and the most minimum Shi'ur for a Talit, for a Talit Katan, the larger opinion combined with the larger measure of the Chazanish comes out to be 22.5 inches by 22.5 inches. The minimal opinion would be the smallest shear of three quarters of an amma by half an amma, combined with the grachnae of having a amma at 48 centimeters, comes out to approximately 15 inches by 10 inches, 15 inches long and 10 inches wide. So a talit katan should be at least that size. It's quite common, you can go into a store and buy a talit katan that is smaller. For children, we surely buy smaller ones. But for an adult, that would be the smallest possible size. 
If you buy a smaller one, basically you should not be making a brach on it because since you are not fulfilling a mitzvah of tzitzit, because this garment is not obligated in tzitzit, therefore you can't make a bracha. In fact, the poskim disagree whether one could wear a talit katan that is smaller than the minimal size in the street on Shabbat, whether it was outside of an eruv. Because since the tzitzit do not fulfill the mitzvah, therefore they are not part of this small garment, and therefore you're basically carrying them rather than wearing them. There are opinions to both sides. Both opinions assume that one is not fulfilling a mitzvah, and the question arises whether or not the tzitzit are nonetheless considered to be worn or they being carried. That's the minimum size of a talit. When one davens, it's customary to wear a talit gadol. What is a talit gadol? A talit gadol is a garment with which you, with which an adult, would cover himself when going outside. In other words, it should be the size of a, of a cloak. And sometimes one sees people wearing talit gadol, which doesn't even quite reach their waist, which obviously cannot be worn as a garment in the street, if that was the only garment you were wearing. So a talit gadol should be something with which measured to your size, depending on how big you are, would could serve at least minimally as a cloak. It could be a mini cloak, but it has to be at least something which one could appear in public, eh, perhaps in Roman times, and, uh, and still be acceptable. Which, practically speaking, which garments are obligated in tzitzit. A talit has to be four-cornered. We don't normally have any natural four-cornered garments anymore, but there are some things which could possibly be four-cornered. For instance, a scarf, a head scarf, or a neck scarf. The post can say that in the same pasuk, the garment covers you, it means it covers your body. Something which only covers your head is not chayv in tzitzit. Similarly, something which only covers your neck you wear it as a, as a scarf against the wind, a neckerchief, will not be chayv in tzitzit because it's not a garment asher techaseba. You're not covering your body with it. There are other reasons which Postkim advanced why a scarf, which is usually four-cornered, is not obligated in tzitzit. One reason is that it's normally folded. You always wear it when it's folded. When it's folded, it no longer has even the minimal shiur of a talit katan that we mentioned in the beginning. Now, it's true that a talit gadol is also folded when you wear it. It has different folds. But those are accidental. In other words, one, one puts it on in its full size, and as one wears it, it gets bunched up here or there. Whereas a scarf around one's neck is folded in order to be worn. That's the only way in which it's worn. And therefore, some can think that that alone would reduce its actual size. The size is not its size when it's unfolded, but when it's folded, and that size is less than a shiur. Third reason why a uh, scarf would not be chayav and tzitzit is one we mentioned last week. The Ramah holds that the idea that the Vida Melech expressed that tzitzit are two in front and two in back is lahalacha. A garment has to be such. Tzitzit have to be worn in such a way that they are two in front and two in back. When you wear a scarf, you have all four corners in front of you and all four tzitzit where you to place them would be in front of you. And therefore, according to the Psaq of the Ramah, a scarf is not chayav and tzitzit. Uh, this is also the reason why, practically speaking, most of us do not put tzitzit on a suit jacket, even if the corners are squared, are real corners, and not rounded. Round corners are not corners in halacha. Four corners means four pointed corners. But you very often have a jacket which has four corners, two in the bottom and two on top in the collar. But they're all four are in front. And therefore, based on the psaqa of you would not have to wear tzitzit. 
I do recall a situation where it turned out that we were wearing a genuine four-cornered garment. In the summertime, we would spend time in the country, we would go swimming in the lake, and when leaving the water to go back to where we were staying, which was a short walk and it was somewhat cold, it would be common to take a towel, a large bath towel, which was large enough to meet the minimum share I mentioned before, and drape it around oneself and basically wear it. No one thought of it as being worn. We thought it was just a towel, but you were actually wearing a four-cornered garment. It was a kind of a cloak. And uh, it would appear that if it meets the other standards of what is obligated in tzitzit, namely that it belongs to you, and it has four corners, that you would have to put tzitzit on such a, on such a towel. Therefore, you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't wear a towel, at least a large one, around oneself, cloaking it around one's body as a garment, because it becomes basically a Roman tola. It becomes basically a talit, a real talit, the kind worn uh, thousands of years ago as a regular, as a regular garment. That's it for today. Tomorrow's shiur on Tuesday will be given by myself, will be the shiur in medieval Jewish philosophy. Until then, I wish you kol tov from Gush Etzion in Eretz Yisrael. This was KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah, Udvar Hashem Mi Yerushalayim.